Hello, I'm Amber Lauver and welcome back to another episode of the Fashion Avenue podcast. I started this podcast in October 2018. It's been going for a little while now and I just love fashion and beauty. And so starting a podcast was a no-brainer for me. So here we are over a year later with another episode. Today, I'm chatting to Sammy Cashin, who is the director of Unzipped Fashion Management. Fashion management is probably one of those careers that if you're new to the fashion world, you probably don't know too much of. I know when I was in uni, um, I didn't even think of that as a career in the fashion industry. We always think of styling. We always think of buying. We always think of designing. But this is a whole nother aspect to the industry that is super interesting. And if this is something that you've been considering or something that you want to know more about, then this is absolutely the episode for you. If you want to know why fashion management is such an important part of the industry and how Sammy started her own fashion management company, then make sure you keep on listening to this episode of the Fashion Avenue podcast. Sammy, thank you so much for joining me on the Fashion Avenue podcast. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I feel like this has been a little while in the making. It has. We've been chatting backwards and forward on Instagram. It's been nice. Yeah, it is. We're like Instagram besties. I love it. I know. I love <laughs> meeting our new people on Instagram. It's great. Me too. It's how we all come together in this industry. So why not? It's basically like a coffee date, but just over the phone. Pretty much. It's always nice to put a face to a name and a voice and everything. Yeah, yes, I agree. Yes. So it's nice to actually chat to you on the phone. So this is lovely. Um, So I thought I would just jump in and get to know about you and your background leading up to what you're doing now. So can you tell me about kind of your early life? So what was Sammy doing and what did you study? Did you study? Yeah, I studied um, a certificate of applied fashion and footwear design. So Ooh. I suppose initially I thought I would um, launch my own label at that kind of point in the time. So mm-hmm. back course was going to kind of, I suppose, provide me with the skills and knowledge um, to work towards those goals. But yeah, I suppose it pivoted at some point um, along the way and I didn't end up launching my own label. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't actually complete the course. I think I only had like one subject, which was, I think, pattern making um, to complete. I probably should have just done it. But um, yeah, (laughs) I ended up pulling the pin. (laughs) That's fine. God, that happens so often. It's totally fine. Look where you are now. It's great. Yes, I can't complain. Yeah. And have you always had an interest in in fashion? Yes, definitely. Um, I suppose I can't exactly pinpoint kind of that moment that I knew what my future kind of career title per se was going to be. However, I did always know that there was going to be some sort of creative role within the fashion industry. Fashion always seems like a natural progression or as some would say, kind of like destiny. Mm-hmm. I guess I was always dressing up in my mum's heels and changing outfits five times a day or, you know, mm-hmm. doing my hair of some sort. I think for my 16th birthday I received my first sewing machine and I completed um my year 11 textiles class in year 10 and my year 12 in year 11 so I always yeah definitely loved fashion hence the reason I kind of thought that um launching my own label was probably um the avenue I would take that's so interesting I think when we're younger I was a bit the same like I think when you think of fashion you only think of design you don't think of all the other jobs that you can do in the industry which is quite funny you don't really know about so many of them behind the scenes and yeah Yeah. I even chat to a lot of girls coming through their studies or even through high school and they just have no idea other than kind of like I suppose design styling styling buying 
something that's kind of about the only ones they really are aware of. It's so interesting. So how did you kind of get your introduction into the more fashion management side of things? Um, it was actually a chance encounter when I was, um, I would have been about 19. Um, I was attending an industry of fashion event with one of my friends. I was her plus one for the night. And I guess she introduced me to her cousin, which was hosting the event. And I kind of left the event with um, an internship and started on that following oh, Monday. Perfect. Yeah, we got chatting and I was, you know, at university and she kind of, um, I suppose, just said, you know, do you want to come work with us? Oh um, to see kind of the ins and outs. So, yeah, it was kind of a chance encounter. So I was very lucky and got this whole scope into this whole other world that I, um, I guess I never knew about. So, yeah, it was wow. a bit of an unofficial kind of internship. And then I was offered employment with flexible hours around my studies. And because I was so eager to learn, it was kind of like I'd finish university at about, or TAFE at about, you know, 12 o'clock. And then I'd ring her and go, okay, I can be there in half an hour. Like, yep. you know, and she's like, okay, yep, pop on in. Mm-hmm. And I guess, when did it kind of click that you were like, okay, I actually really love this? It was probably reasonably instant. You know, I was doing a lot of the admin stuff and she was working with brands like Tiger Lily and Cameo, Finder Peters, um, Shona Joy, and she had Mink Pink and Staple Label. So I was just fascinated by this whole other world that I just really didn't know. So I guess it was really a path I wanted to really further explore and... Yeah, here I am now. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. So what made you start Unzipped Fashion Management and why and I guess what made you take the leap? Um, Well, I was um, working in the industry. I was running one of Australia's youth kind of powerhouses, design houses down in Melbourne. They do um, the brands like Meet Pink, State of the Label, Twin, at that point, we had some days loving. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I was managing their kind of day-to-day operations and sales. And I guess I was ready for my next kind of next step in my career, but I didn't want to leave the company or the brands or my retailers. So yeah. I approached kind of the management team with a business plan and a goal to open my own fashion agency mm-hmm. um, under my own umbrella. I was very grateful and I suppose I was very lucky to instantly receive a yes. Wow. Um, two months later, I packed down their Melbourne office and and um, launched Unzip Fashion Management. Oh, my goodness. That is a ballsy yeah. move. <laughs> it was. Everyone kind of asked if I was a little bit worried and nervous about doing it. But I suppose because I was continuing with the same brands and the same retailers, it didn't seem too ballsy at the time. But now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, wow, that was a bit of a, you know, a, yeah. um, a big step. <laughs> yeah. And how long have you had your own uh, management for now? Since April 2018. So I'm still in yeah, new. Wow. So a year and a half. Oh my goodness. Good on you. So yeah. can you, okay, this is probably a bit of like a, a for dummies type of question now, yes. but for someone who might not know anything about this world, what is a fashion agency? Um, I suppose the easiest way to kind of explain it is an agency is the middle person between connecting a brand and a retailer. So this could be, you know, um, obviously I deal with brands such as Mink Pink and Staple and getting them into major department stores such as Maya, David Jones. We deal with e-commerce platforms, so um, the Iconic, and then we also deal with the local high street independent boutiques. And I manage the territories of South Australia, Victoria, Tasmania and New South Wales. So we manage kind of most of the retail outlets within those, yeah, those territories. Oh my God, that is yes. a big job. Yes, very much so. <laughs> How do you have <laughs> time for this right now? I spend a lot of time in the showroom. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, well, at least you're surrounded by pretty things, right? Yes, very much so. So how did you get brands on board and how do you get clients and brands on board? How does that even happen? Yeah, well, first I was, again, I suppose because I was working with the How for Quirky business, mm-hmm. I instantly started with four extremely well-known big brands. So not many, I suppose, fashion agencies can launch with kind of that sort of caliber of brands. So yeah. that was definitely um, very helpful, which could, you know, float my business for a little bit. And it means I wasn't desperate to find other brands to make sure I was making enough income. Yeah. So I kicked along with those probably for the first, oh, I think probably the first eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. And then I started taking on new brands. Um, and that can be sometimes them reaching out to me. My retailers are my biggest advocates. I'm so grateful for oh, that. Like lovely. they are very good at putting me forward to brands as they are just like, look, it's easier if we can come into you and obviously do multiple brands in one hit sort of thing. So there's that. And then, you know, looking for brands and also something new and fresh and unique and um, making sure you're not crossing toes, you know, as well with other agencies that, you know, you don't want to necessarily poach someone else's business. Yeah. So looking for brands that are, you know, internally managing their sales. Right. And I yeah. guess speaking of, you know, you're dealing with brands, but you're obviously also dealing with the retailers. So how do yeah. you create these relationships with retailers say if it's a retailer that you I don't know that you haven't even worked with before or you know a big a big department store or something like how do you create that ongoing relationship well I'm very lucky that a lot of them I've been dealing with for 10 plus years so that's always a bit of a bonus when I'm taking on a new brand. I instantly have these relationships already. But in saying that, you know, there are new retailers that do pop up. They can either contact me because they might want one of the brands that um, I'm representing or that's when I would generally reach out to them. Depending on what brand I'm trying to approach, I'll always go in, check out their store, make sure it's the right fit. And then it can be a variance of different ways, whether you're emailing them brand books touching base with them via phone or, you know, sending them samples to have a look at quality and things like that. So there's quite a few different ways you can kind of, I suppose, yeah, get a new retailer on board with a brand. Wow. And so why would a brand seek out a fashion agency? Like, why is it so valuable? Like, why is it a valuable service to them? And why wouldn't they kind of do it themselves in-house? What is it that you provide? I suppose, especially because um, we're, I suppose, the middleman. I already have the background knowledge of 10 plus years of dealing with a lot of these retailers. So I suppose retailers really appreciate somebody knowing and understanding their business. So if they can already deal with somebody that they already work with, it makes their life a lot easier because they don't have to educate a new person on their whole business model, what does, doesn't work, what their demographics are, what location they're in, you know, their spend based on seasonality. There's so much that can kind of, I suppose, knowledge that we have just as second nature that is very hard for um, someone that hasn't dealt with this retailer for a long period of time. Mm. So there's that, yeah. And speaking of, I guess, all the services, what does your day-to-day look like if you even have a (laughs) day-to-day? I suppose no two days, you know, as everybody (laughs) probably says, is the same, which is probably why I do love it. Mm. Um, It always starts the same, snoozing the alarm about 10 times because I'm not (laughs) a morning person. But it's generally like, you know, first thing in the morning, I'm looking at, you know, my emails, scrolling through Instagram, you know, actioning all those things. And then all going to like our showings, sending out range sampling. It could be 
range reports. Yeah, there's so much that can go on. But yeah, I suppose the most consistent is, yeah, emails always and then doing day-to-day showings depending on what brand is showing at that particular time. Oh my goodness. Does it ever stop? No. (laughs) One brand, like one range will, you know, close. The next one will generally open. Oh my Um, God. I think if you work in fashion, you uh, kind of thrive off the business. Yeah. And that's, you know, that industry, it never stops. You know, it's always go, go, go. And I think it's one of those things like when people are seriously considering a future in the fashion industry, it's kind of something you need to be prepared for. Very much so, yeah. A lot of people think it as it is a very glamorous life and I suppose, yes, there's the perks of fashion week and yeah, even, you know, spring racing and, you know, events and VIP yes. nights and things like that. Yes. But um, there's a lot of steaming, unpacking boxes, <laughs> yes. range reports, you know, oh there's gosh. still all the day-to-day back-end stuff. Um, so it's, you know, it's not always, um, yes. Yeah, so. Speaking of misconceptions, is there yes. any more that you have that people have about your job that you're just like, okay, this is not the case? It's probably, especially like with interstate travel, that's probably a big one. Like a lot of, I suppose, friends of mine and, um, you know, I went to my high school reunion and they were all like, oh my gosh, you're traveling interstate, you know, it's so glamorous. <laughs> you get to go, you know, to all these beautiful places. And I was like, I'm kind of going from a hotel room, you know, to a showroom, doing my ranges, going back to a hotel room, you know, an airport. I'm generally trying to lug, you know, 60 kilos of luggage. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, And nine times out of ten, I don't actually get to, like, you know, see the city um, because I'm trying to get back to Melbourne to, you know, do my showings here um, sort of thing. My goodness. And what's been the hardest part having your own business, do you think? Um, I think the work-life balance is definitely something I'm not good at, I would hands down say. It's something (laughs) that I need to get better at. Yeah. I love my job and I love everything I do. So, you know, if I could work around the clock, I would. But I have a partner. <laughs> That's important, that, uh, yeah. about living the single life <laughs> um, sort of thing. So, you know, I need to kind of get better at, you know, switching off, enjoying my time with my friends and family. I've, you know, started doing cardio tennis a couple of times a week. So that hour I just switch off. Yeah. And I do not think about work. So, you know, it's still a a progress, uh, which will probably take some time. <laughs> oh, you'll be with the cardio tennis. You'll be ready for the Australian Open soon. Oh, that, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and can you explain to us what a showroom is? So, what what does it do, and why is it important? I guess the showroom is what comes back to you know, kind of the agency model. My showroom is set up by sections so each brand has its own little section um, and it will have obviously the samples hanging there ready to go for a retailer to walk in we can go through generally there'll be a table that has all their marketing plans range books you know every kind of sales tool you need for that collection and then yeah so that's got to be always presented quite neatly nicely um, and really clear and concise for kind of retailers just to come in Um, so it's very much I suppose kind of like a boutique really Um, um, just on a much larger scale That's so interesting. Um, sort of thing. And it's just important to do it in the showroom because retailers are out of their space. So therefore, when they're coming in, they're in their buying mood. You know, you're really kind of selling them the story of why this collection, they need it, but also how it's going to make them money with this investment and, right. you know, so forth. So do you really have to educate yourself on each collection and make sure you have all the answers ready for the retailers? Yeah, wow. definitely. So each collection, yeah, we'll have kind of um, meetings with the designers, um, also the head kind of management teams, like especially some of my brands have, you know, full 
they'll have full teams that design prints exclusively. Sometimes there'll be a print that is, you know, hand-drawn. So we need to know all of those, but also we also need to understand if there's any fit changes or colour changes and pass that all through, as well as any marketing that might be coming across with this brand, say they're, you know, looking at targeting or they've secured a, a, you know, a big influencer or celebrity to wear pieces from that collection, making sure that your retailers are well aware of this kind of information so they can be jumping on, I suppose, board those styles to make sure when that influencer does wear that style, they do have the product there to um, offer their, like, consumers. Wow, that's so interesting. Mm. A lot of studying. Yes, very much so. And how do you keep up to date with what's happening in the industry, whether that's, you know, trends or new brands coming through? Definitely through the brands themselves like they have so much knowledge and so much insight into the trends and everything like you know some of the brands are forecasting and they're designing 2021 collections so they're forever passing on that information to us which is super helpful Um, but then also just like Instagram such a great tool speaking to my retailers they have so much knowledge as well because they deal with so many brands like a lot of you know boutiques will carry you know between 30 and 50 brands. Mm. So, you know, they've got a lot of knowledge that they can even share back with me. So listening to that industry website, LinkedIn, um, there's so many. Yeah, it's just always, I suppose, keeping your ears to the ground. Yeah, and there's always so much coming through, I guess, with, you know, social media, fast fashion, it just never stops. It never stops and fashion is so fast. So, um, you know, yesterday's news might not be relevant tomorrow. So it's yes. always just, yeah, making sure that you're, you know, got as much information as you can um, have to make sure that you're educating your retailers, but also the brands as well. Because, mm. um, you know, we need to feed back information back to the brands that what retailers are saying missing or um, things that they're looking for. Right. And what do you personally look for in a brand as a fashion agent? It can vary. Um, It really depends on so many different things. I suppose being unique in their own right, I've got brands that that I currently already represent and they, you know, dominate in their particular field. So I don't necessarily need another one of those. I need something that's offering something different to those brands. Right. Um, But then I am also looking at brands that will complement the brands that I currently have. So, yeah, there's an array of different kind of um, things that we'll look for. Look for, And if, you know, a brand is an up-and-coming brand, what kind of marketing they're looking at doing, who they're being kind of featured on, what kind of imagery they have. The imagery is always quite, you know, and quality um, mm. of the product. So, yeah, there's so many different things. Wow. Do you just look after mainly clothing or is there anything else that you do as well? Um, at this point in time, I've only got um, apparel. We will look to expand into um, accessories. Um, but at the moment, yeah, just apparel. Great. And can you walk us through, I guess, the process of securing a brand and what happens from there? So I'm talking, how much stock do you have in your showroom and who pays who to do what? And, you know, then approaching retailers. I'd love a bit of a, a bit of a small breakdown, maybe, if you can provide. Yeah. That. So if I was, say, to secure a brand, I, you know, I've done contracts, everything like that. They'll send us in samples and all their selling tools. So generally, um, a sample set for that is, um, say, for example, I've just finished selling um, autumn, winter 2020. Wow. Um, so they'd send us the next lot of samples that will be coming into us will be spring, summer 2020. So they'll send us in the, the samples. We'll set that up in the showroom, ready to go. Um, we'll also have all their sales tools, tools such as range books, marketing plans, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a retailer will come in, do their selections, do their buy. 
um, I will submit that, you know, through we'll work together on kind of suitable offerings where they may have some gaps. So it's kind of a bit of a, a backwards and forwards process. You know, we'll have a kind of a rack here set up and they'll go through their whole selections and um, there. Then they'll, I'll submit their order straight through to the brand themselves. They'll then put it into production and probably six to eight months later, that production and that stock will arrive. Um, the brand directly will ship it to the retailer and the retailer generally has some sort of you know term set up. Um, and then they'll pay the retailer direct, uh, sorry, the, the brand directly. Wow. Um, yeah, so I suppose I'm pretty much, for so my services, getting paid from a brand's point of view. Mm-hmm. My retailers don't pay me. Um, but then I do kind of strongly believe that I work for my retailers just as much as I do my brand, wow. even though they might not pay me. God, that's such a process. Such a process. Wow. And so, question, this is probably a bit random, yeah. but say like a brand is going into an actual store, like not an online store, do they have a, a certain way that they can have their products set up if they're like, this is how we want things set up? Is that something that they do or do they have to just rely on the store to kind of do it how they want? Um, it can be different provisions and different um, scenarios per brand, per retailer. Right. And it can be, you know, it can be dependent on spend and sometimes that can be in your agreement as well as like a bit of a, a trading term that, you know, the brands can go in. Like I know some of the majors will have visual merchandisers going in and mm-hmm. um, merchandising the areas to make sure that they're always up to scratch. Wow. Um, whereas the smaller independent boutiques tend to like to do it themselves and they'll shuffle it around kind of weekly or a couple of times a week to make sure that, you know, their store is always looking fresh and they're getting, you know, small independent, same as the um, larger, are getting stock daily. So, yeah. you know, it can quickly change change and just depending on, you know, how quick they can sell out of something as well. Wow, that's so interesting. I'm loving this. It's really opening up my my eyes. Because it's I have, a whole different field, isn't yeah. it? It's really, yeah. Because I had a couple of friends who worked in a fashion agency here in Brisbane outside of uni and I like I, I got kind of the gist of it, but going into detail with you has really made me understand what it is and what, yeah. I know. It's Half so of my friends, even my partner has no idea what I do sometimes until <laughs> I kind of open my agency and uh, you know, he has his RDOs every second Monday and I'm like, can you come and steam ranges for me? <laughs> but, you know, if he, if any of his friends ask, he's like, um, she owns a fashion agency and they're like a boutique. And he's like, no. Oh my God, <laughs> that's quite. so funny. Wow. You're like, oh my God. You're like, I need to give yeah. you like a little, a little something to, to say and pull out to read out to your mates. Exactly. It's really <laughs> funny, but yeah. Um, even my girlfriend, I said no recently, like one of my best friends, she, when I opened my agency, she was like, okay, I I don't want to sound silly, but I need you to tell me exactly what you do. <laughs> She's like, I know you work in fashion and it, I know you sell like forward yeah. and you don't sell, you know, to the public. She's like, but I don't exactly know what you do. <laughs> She's like, what is it like? How do you even not sell to the public? Like, how is that even not a thing? <laughs> yeah, I know of some friends are like, oh, yeah, Sammy and her boutique and I kind of just let them go. Yeah, you're like, okay, like, that's yeah, fine. It's not a boutique, but hey, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you can pop in anyway. (laughs) Exactly. And so how far in advance are you selling? Because what you said about 12 months before when you were explaining something, is that how far in advance it can go? Generally speaking, it's about six to eight months in advance. So yeah, I've just wrapped up all of winter 2020. Um, We'll start to do spring, summer 2020. 
Um, but then that's me selling um, to the retailer. But the brands directly, like we've already been working on collections for 2021. So Jeez. they're a ne- another step forward again. Do you think that there's an important cutoff time for brands to have things ready, I guess, in general in the fashion industry? Do you think that they really need to be working, you know, a year even ahead? Um, generally, if they're actually the, on the design background, they definitely have to be, you know, looking at 12 months kind of before. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, sales side of things, and um, kind of range showings. It can vary from that six to eight months. That's kind of a general rule, but there are some that are very quick to market, but they're usually filling the gaps. They're not necessarily Mm. creating whole collections. It's kind of like we've seen a gap and we're hitting it quick to market. Um, My brands will do that, but it's more injecting just like, you know, one or two styles or a style sold out so they're quickly updating it in a new colour and that will be quicker to market. So, yeah, there's kind of a few different business models that are quick to market. Yeah, that kind of mid, but I would say that six to eight months is pretty general rule. I'm just loving all of this. I feel like I'm back in uni because I did um fa- <laughs> I did fashion and journalism. So I was doing all the fashion theory side of things and it's yep. taking me back to, you know, all the trend forecasting subjects I did and all of that. It's so interesting. I love it. Oh, I'm glad. This is great. I I'm, love it too. It's definitely a fun job. Oh my God. I'm literally just hearing everything. I'm like, this is so cool. So I, I just really think listeners can really get a lot out of this, which is fantastic. This is a real it's great cause, thing. Yeah, there's a lot of girls that don't know that this kind of I suppose side of the industry even exists and Mm. um, that's why I kind of I suppose started um, mentoring and things like that for RMIT and um, there's another company called Fashion Equipped which is brands up and coming because I've got so much knowledge and there's so much background that yeah so many people just have no idea about this side of the business. So you are an industry mentor for RMIT and Fashion Equipped as you just said so what does this mean and what does that entail? So RMIT is obviously the students coming through their um, generally like visual merchandise Merchandising and fashion courses. Right. Um, so they may be, you know, I suppose where I was at the very start when I was at university thinking, maybe I'm going to open my own fashion label. Mm-hmm. What do I need to be kind of considering? So they can literally pick my brain about anything. Wow. Um, if they're like, you know, looking to kind of go down that avenue, what do they need to put in place to mm-hmm. ensure they get there? Mm-hmm. But then also some could be, have no idea what they want to do. They want to look at obviously fashion and they love it, but they don't know what side, whether it be buying, wholesale so that's where they can kind of pick my brain I suppose about what this side of the business really is like and see my showroom set up and things like that yeah that is um, so helpful so helpful I wish I had that when I was kind of coming through university yes. um yeah, so I could just kind of, I suppose, bounce some ideas off people. Mm. Um, whereas Fashion Equipped is a company that's set up to, she's like, I suppose, a big company that's set up to mentor brands that are actually coming through. So they've already got their concept. They've already got their designs. They're in the process of doing all their pricing. And I suppose I'm coming in as a wholesale mentor. So they're actually um, picking my brain and quizzing me on how to get wholesale ready and when's the moment that they should consider taking on a wholesale agent opposed to starting doing it themselves or, you know, um, yeah, so that they can kind of, I suppose, get a bit of insight to that from, you know, an honest kind of um, opinion, I suppose. When it comes to, I guess, a new brand going off the back of that, say a brand, you know, a new brand has launched, how far should they, I guess, how long should they be waiting to, to even think about wholesale? Do you kind of suggest that they do like a couple of, I guess, seasons or collections first? 
Um, they can definitely look at doing wholesale immediately. Right. Um, it might be, depending on their background and where they've come from, some fashion brands, are, you know, they might have already launched a, a couple and, you know, learnt along the way. But mm. um, I would generally say, too, keeping it and doing it themselves for, say, the first 12 months while they get their feet grounded, understand the landscape, you know, meet with retailers, how it, you know, and even getting their production lines, you know, all in line and making sure product arrives on time and things mm. like that. I definitely say, um, yeah, you could look at doing that for a 12 months prior to reaching out to someone like me. But then, you know, that might not be someone. Sometimes people aren't really good at promoting themselves. Mm. So therefore, they might want to outsource that because they don't want to do any of that kind of pitching to retailers or getting brands, um, retailers on board. They just rather out that kind of thing. I guess if you're very creative, you kind of want to stick to the creative stuff, right? And you're like, if someone can do it, that's great. (laughs) And it gives them, you know, I suppose a moment to step back and really focus on what they're good at and also grow the business from the back. Because, you know, sometimes if you're in the midst of ticking off the boxes and, you know, you're just in the motions and next minute it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't even done what I need to do or, you know, I need to have this next collection ready to go and Mm. I've been too busy in the cell and I haven't even designed the next collection. Wow, that is so interesting. Interesting. Oh my God. I'm saying that to everything you're saying. And I'm so sorry for people listening and to you because, but it really no, is. So sorry. I think my industry is interesting. So I hope everyone else does too. I'm loving this. I'm like full nerding out. I'm loving it. And Nerd away. Do you work with any international brands or retailers as well, or are you just keeping it within Australia? No, I do actually work with um, international as well as Australian. So yeah, a bit of both. Wow. Great. Yeah. Love it. And what would you say has been your biggest achievement in your career? I think the biggest one would be just launching Unzip Fashion Management. I think Mm. that's um, definitely my career highlight at the moment. I'm sure there will be many more to come, um, hopefully. But, yeah, I would say just launching and getting it off the ground. And, um, Mm. yeah, I'm still really in the early stages, which is really fun and exciting. Yeah, and you're doing um, so well. So congrats. Thank you. You're welcome. It's great. I'm loving – I love Love just hearing these stories. It's so motivating. Yes. Well, we'll have to check back in 10 years' oh, time. Oh, yes. We'll, we'll do a bit of an update. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and do you have any advice for anyone who might be looking to go into fashion management? I would definitely say look at interning and work experience as much as possible. Like even now, there's so many fields that I would even like to expand in. And I'm, I'm lucky I've got mentors that I can kind of, you know, call on, but even now I'm like, God, it would be interesting to be a fly on their wall. Like, you know, Mm. so I think take that and just speak to everyone as much as you can. Read everything and educate yourself. I know when I was in university, you know, I loved uni, but at the same time, I couldn't wait to get out of there. Yes. Um, Whereas, yeah, whereas the moment that I was out of there is like the moment that it's like everything clicked and I was Mm -hmm. like, I really want to learn. So I'm forever, you know, updating and doing new courses. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's probably no, that's, the biggest advice I would give. Um, right. It's very competitive, so mm. don't give up as well. Yes. So, um, yeah. I agree with that. I'm so big on interning. I interned my 
but off in uni. So yeah, good. Yeah, so I, I am. Know. I back that one hundred percent. There's nothing like doing the real thing, you know. And actually, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it and you know the contacts that you make, and you could be you could be offered a job, but even if you're not offered a job, you still have that experience, which industry experience is everything. It really I is. agree. I like the lady that you know gave me the opportunity with kind of the unofficial internship I then got a job out of that Mm -hmm. I worked for her for many years and we still stay in touch Um, and she's left the industry she's come back in and you know I know I can call on her at any time and kind of um ask her questions and um so yeah that's great I'm very lucky so yeah I definitely suggest that 100% and I think a lot of the time having my own kind of interns come through with um in the radio you know teaching them you know digital content and things like that I think it's really interesting um how you know uni obviously has like a an internship subject that you have to do to get credit but I think it's so important to look beyond that and offer to come back you know offer to come back afterwards or you know say that you want to learn more and not just rely on your internship subjects like I personally was interning from the f- very first year and uh, my intern subjects were what two or three years away so yeah I think that's very important yeah I, I was always eager to learn and um, I suppose I have until recently you know probably the last you know, eight years or so I had multiple jobs <laughs> yes. I loved it I was going from one to the other and yeah. you know I, w- I loved the fashion industry and it was always trying to get as much out of them and work as much as I physically could sort of thing so yeah it definitely makes the most of it while you can because when you know when you get a little bit older and you're in your career it's very hard to kind of I suppose be like can I uh, come and intern for you <laughs> when you're in, in your 30s oh my god imagine that they'd be like um what <laughs> yes <laughs> <Like>, okay <laughs> do it while you're young moral of the story exactly. <laughs> okay that is amazing so now I want to dive in to a few random questions for you if I can yes <laughs> My signature thing. Okay. I know. I've been wondering what <laughs> these are going to be. You might catch me off. No, it, it's a bit of fun. All right. I love it. Here we go. Okay. So number one, would you rather always be sweating profusely or always, <laughs> or always feel like you're frozen? We always feel like I'm frozen, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I might like hang up this call and then kind of like regret saying that. But yeah, potentially always feel like I'm frozen. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess in Melbourne, you never bloody know. You probably are half frozen. Yeah. To be honest, I'm always frozen. And I, you know, winter wardrobes are always so much more fun. Mm, True. (laughs) Jackets. So, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, good one. I like that answer. That's good. Okay. And how often do you think you look at your phone every day? Some honesty. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Give us some honesty here. (laughs) Like one billion times. (laughs) It's really sad, actually. I remember recently kind of talking to, I don't know, my partner or my friend. And um, I think on the app it kind of says how many times per hour. Yes. you pick it up so or something scary. and mine was like next level ridiculous and because I you know I do it for work but yeah I also you know social media and Instagram I'm like it's yeah it's yeah probably more than I would like to admit it's fine <laughs> I'm probably on that same level with you if I'm honest I feel like you know back in the day they had the morning paper but we have Instagram so exactly I'd like to see how many um, miles my thumbs have scrolled <laughs> I know does that mean we're going to get 
real bad arthritis because... No, sometimes I can sit there on Instagram. I'm like, gosh, my thumb's sore. And I'm like, no. I've been online way too long. Yeah, it's like Kim Kardashian when she hurt her wrist or hand for the selfies. Yes. Did you see that episode? Uh, yeah. And yes, she had I to go see, see a doctor and everything. It's like, oh yeah, my God. That'll probably me, be me in a couple of years' time. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I hope I look as hot as Kim Kardashian. Oh, I know. She looks fabulous. <laughs> um, okay, and number three, would you rather score 10 pieces from the designer of your choice or work with that designer or on, on a one-product collab? Work with the designer on a one-product collab, definitely. Mm, nice. Yes. Yeah, 100%. You'd be able to get so much more knowledge and insight and, yeah, that whole process would be next level amazing. Yeah, and since you love a bit of, you know, education yourself, you'd probably thrive in that. Yes, definitely. Whereas the 10 pieces, you know, if I, like, it would be fantastic, but... I suppose I could buy them over time if I really needed to. You could to. buy them with the commission you get from the one product collab. I know. My <laughs> partner might not like that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. Well, Sammy, you have been amazing. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and so sharing kind of um, everything that we do on the back end. Yeah, it was so interesting. And honestly, anyone listening to this, if you want to get into this side of the fashion industry, you know, this is well and truly a great insight from Sammy. So thank you so much. Oh, anytime. Thank you for having me. No worries. Bye. Bye.